Hello and thanks for listening to LockPod. My name's Katie Ringsdor. Today I'm joined by Miles Robinson, who's Head of Mortgages at Trussell. Today we're going to be talking about the full mortgage process. Hopefully this should give some insight to people that are thinking about buying a house for the first time. Okay, thank you very much, Miles, for joining me today on LockPod. Perhaps we could start by uh, introducing yourself and giving us a bit of information about Trussell. Yeah, hi, good morning, Katie. Thanks for having me on your show. Uh, yes, my name is Miles Robinson. Uh, I'm the uh, head of mortgages for uh, Trussell. Uh, we're the first online mortgage broker, um, and we we essentially aim to use technology and human expertise by our team of advisors, case managers, to help customers through their uh, home financing journey. Uh, in terms of me, uh, I've worked for a number of um, uh, Brokers in the UK, including uh, LMC, Countrywide Mortgages. Um, I helped scale uh, a business called 177 Mortgages. Um, and I joined Trussell in October 19 to head up the advisory teams there. Um, and now I'm responsible for all the kind of sales and, and operational teams across the business. Nice busy job then. So uh, what I'm hoping to kind of get from this episode today is to kind of help those people that are, are considering, you know, getting themselves onto the, the, the mortgage ladder. So I suppose if you were looking to get a mortgage, where would you start? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, it's a bit of a maze, isn't it, um, in terms of where to start? Uh, I think firstly, I'd, I'd probably think about your, your deposit and assessing your finances. Um, of how much deposit you have um, towards a property. So, um, you know, deciding you know, how much you can save per month, how you can afford against all, all the bills and, and rent that you may have going out or stealing them at home and you're paying housekeeping bills to, to mum and dad, how much have you got left over each month? That's the your, your kind of um, outgoings to, to save towards a deposit. But once you've got your deposit, um, really you also need to, to understand how much it is that you can afford. Um, so how much your, your your income is and then what that means in terms of a mortgage that you can, you can obtain. So there's, there's lots of tools out there um, uh, in terms of things called affordability calculators where you kind of punch in all your income um, and your expenditure uh, and it will give you an, an idea of how much you can borrow. So um, just an, an example, uh, if you have um, uh, income of, say, uh, £50,000 per annum, uh, easy number, and you roughly may uh, be able to borrow up to around four to four and a half times that um, once you factor in your, your expenditure. So that might be kind of say, call it sort of a £200,000 mortgage. Uh, and then you would need at least, uh, at the moment, there are five to seven mortgages coming back into the market. There's three or four lenders out there, especially with the launch of the government guarantee scheme. So actually, that means you you would need a ten thousand pound deposit on a ninety five percent mortgage against say a two hundred thousand pound purchase, and then you need a, a one ninety mortgage. So that would be within your affordability limit. So I think doing that homework first around understanding how much deposit you can obtain, um, the more the better, um, and then also what you can you can borrow um, in terms of affordability. That all makes really good sense, actually. And But I, I was wondering, because a lot of people tend to go via intermediaries or brokers now. I, th- I think I read a stat about something like 70% of people in the UK go via an intermediary or a broker now to get a mortgage rather than directly to a lender. Why do you think that is? I, I think customers, in, in the research, we've done a lot of market research on this. Um, you know, we're the first 
digital broker, but actually we still have advisors and humans at the centre and forefront of what we do. So, you know, our technology and digital journey is really to help customers, you know, deal with us really when it suits them, 24 hours a day, they can complete our online fact find uh, when they're at work, on their laptop. So it's more about ease of interaction for the customer in terms of our digital journey. When it comes to the actual advice and expertise, um, the, the research that we've done is actually customers still want to speak to someone. They still want someone to kind of hold their hand at a crucial point in the journey before they kind of commit and make any decisions. So we still have a, a team of advisors that, that help and provide that advice and expertise to the customer um, before they kind of move forward with any mortgage applications or even a, obviously before we actually issue them with a recommendation. Um, and then we have operational teams, case managers to even at the point their application is submitted to hold their hand through the whole underwriting process until they actually get that offer approved. Um, but one thing I would suggest um, and is recommended, and it's quite hot out there at the moment in terms of properties, is a lot of uh, estate agents will require um, something called a mortgage in principle, um, which you can you can obtain from from your broker. We have an actual digital uh, online version of this that you can obtain a, a mortgage in principle to confirm exactly how much you can borrow. Um, and that is kind of a, it's essentially a piece of paper that, that means you've had like a soft credit check done, you've had your affordability check and eligibility check for mortgage. It's still kind of subject to full underwriting by a lender, et cetera, but it's essentially saying, look, in principle, this person can obtain this amount of mortgage and therefore with their deposit, they can, they can buy a house up to X amount. And where it is quite hot in the market at the moment, there's quite a few people queuing up, you know, for, um, for properties and, and therefore you want to be in the best position you can be in really even before you start house hunting. Yeah, and that's quite interesting. You were saying there about um, boosting your credit profile as well. What kind of, you know, it, it's part of the search for your mortgage in principle. How important is having a good good credit profile and what can people do to make sure it's healthy perhaps before they apply for a mortgage? Yeah, it is important. And actually, it's, it's one thing I think certainly first time buyers, um, some they're always quite anxious about when they start that process, you know, is my, is my credit history okay? Am I going to pass the, the credit check? Um, and really, in order to get your your credit into good health, there's, there's a few things that I would recommend. I think firstly is to have some sort of lines of credit. So, you know, you might see or hear that having no credit, I don't have any credit, you know, you don't want to be borrowing people if you don't need to, whereas actually having a credit card, you know, putting your, your, your weekly shop or um, just some kind of regular expenditure on there and paying it off every month so there's actually no carryover balance is a really good thing and it shows to credit providers that actually this person can borrow and they can maintain credit very well. Um, so there's a few um uh, online you know credit providers that you can you can use a lot of them are free now and um you can go on and get a you know free credit score check and it'll show you you know if your what, what your credit score is um so yeah getting get a line of credit the other thing is is being on the electoral roll um is, is, is pretty important as well so making sure um lenders can, can find you on their uh, on their credit checks um but, but, but outside of that, I think, you know, even people with 
perhaps had some um, you know adverse credit in the past or, or some blips on their file. Maybe a typical example is where maybe uh, uh, someone in their, their early years might have taken out a mobile phone bill and didn't pay it. They were maybe at university or something like that. And they couldn't quite pay their mobile phone bill and they got uh, a default over time because they never paid it. You know, that might be uh, a £150 default on their credit file. It's actually quite a blip. There's a lot of uh, lenders that will will ignore certain values of defaults and um and if it is something over a period of time, say two, three years ago, there will be lenders that consider it. So even if there are customers, you know, or you know, uh, consumers out there that had, you know, the old blip on their credit card, don't stop the process because all you think your credit's not good. Just speak to an advisor. You know, someone can talk to it and help you understand whether or whether you can or can't obtain a mortgage. And if you can't, they can kind of say, well, look, just give it another twelve months, and you're actually be in a good place. Um, because that would have dropped off or something like that. So I would say speak to somebody, that will really help. Um, but th there are things you can do to keep your credit healthy. But even if it, it isn't quite so healthy, you know, there are still means and ways of obtaining a mortgage too. So so basically, you know, good deposit, regular income, good affordability um, and, you know, a healthy credit file. The likelihood is you'll get a mortgage. Obviously, it depends on the lenders. When you get to that point, what's a good rate? Because I think by the time you get to that point, you've done a lot of hard work and then it gets a bit scary because they start, you know, the, the brokers or lenders start talking about things like percentage rates and loan to value and all these scary things. What is a good rate? Yeah, it's a good question. So a good rate, it, it's also quite a difficult question to answer um, in that it really does vary on the deposit that you have. So, I mean, just to quote the, the lowest 95% mortgage out there at the moment is 3.73%. And some consumers might gasp, that's nearly 4%. Well, actually rates generally across the market are just super low right now, whether you're borrowing at 90, 95%. And when I say super low, you know, it's, it's so low compared to, you know, a decade ago when I, First, I uh, provided mortgage advice where the 10% mortgage rates in 2008 were like 5.99. I think I even remember 6.99 rates. And these were high street top five lenders. Um, so it wasn't kind of any lenders, you know, who were charging slightly more because of uh, adverse or anything like that. So the, the rates more generally now are, are really well affordable. I think the challenge for more customers is less so about rates of interest it's more around being able to borrow what they need to borrow to buy the house that they want to buy within the area that they live so you know the average earnings uh, of, of, of one individual on the average you know salary of 25 to 30 thousand pound per year you know four times that as a mortgage of you know just over a hundred thousand well there's not, not many properties you can you can buy at that level so you either need to double up with a partner a friend and, and purchase a property to get to the level you want to get onto the ladder. Uh, and even then, you know, two incomes at 25, 50,000, 200,000 pound mortgage. If you're living in the Southeast or London, there's not many properties you can get for 200 grand unless you've got, you know, a big deposit. So I think the rates, my view is that the rates are, are, are generally very good. You know, the bigger deposit that you have, if you're into the kind of 25% type deposit, 75% loan to value, you know, the, the rates start two percent and that's whether you're fixing for a couple of years or five years um, on that product. So 
Rates generally good, 95%, clearly you are paying a little bit more. And what are the benefits of being a first-time buyer? Because you hear a lot about that at the moment. And, you know, if people are kind of thinking about it and they see they've got first-time buyer status, what does that mean and what are the benefits? So some lenders do have uh, products for first-time buyers. Um, certainly some of the top five lenders, they might have, you know, certain like a free survey or free valuation on that product or there might be some cash back. Uh, 500 pounds uh, to help towards legal fees or just kind of things like that but I wouldn't get too hung up on those kind of things it's quite easy to as a consumer what we do um, at Trussell is we calculate the overall cost of the, the, the product so we take into account the the, the whole fees the rates um, any incentives and then we factor that into the suitability of what we're recommending so in terms of the benefits of first-time buyers, I think the only thing I would really say is the, you know, the, the 95% guarantee is clearly helping there. There's things like help to buy as well that's still ongoing in certain in, in regions. It is capped in certain regions, but, um, you know, that's something that is actually also available to homeowners as well. Um, so I think there's a lot being done more generally across the housing market. Um, which clearly impacts first-time buyers. But is there anything being done specifically for first-time buyers? I think it's a bit more wider than that, I would say. Yeah, you're, you're probably right there. And it's interesting how that's changed over the years. Um, and, Miles, while I've uh, got your brain here, can you explain to me stamp duty? Because it's a bit of a minefield and it's changing all the time. Can you just kind of give me an overview? Sure, Okay. So, so stamp duty, it, it is a bit of a minefield. Um, and actually, it's changed quite a bit. So. The, the government last year announced a stamp duty holiday, um, and that was if you're buying a property up to 500,000 in England or Northern Ireland, uh, you won't pay any stamp duty. Um, you will still pay stamp duties of purchases about 500,000 pounds if you're lucky enough to buy at that level. Um, the stamp duty was originally, holiday was originally uh, uh, supposed to end on the 31st of March. Um, and the government made, I think, the right decision to extend that um, until the 30th of June. Um, why did they extend it? Um, well, we had experience of this um, sort of towards the end of last year or even in May, all, the whole half two of last year. There was just an absolute surge of purchase cases and applications. Lenders genuinely just couldn't handle the volume. Uh, they were almost doing, you know, whole year's worth of applications in, in a space of three or four months. Um, so it was just it was just huge, and they were also very busy with things like payment holidays. They just didn't have the capacity, and that's actually why they they cut a lot of the high loan to value products just to kind of slow down that demand um, uh, because they can handle the the, the increases of um, of lending. So actually, that meant a real big bottleneck of customers that were just going to miss the deadline. Um, with too much pressure on solicitors and lenders to get offers out and get cases completed. So they've extended it. I think they extended it late enough for everyone to still run hard at the 31st of March, um, but actually just giving a, a, another three months buffer to make sure there's nobody missing out. So uh, that, that's kind of how the statute holiday works. Um, up to the 30th, uh, 30th of June, um, you're, you're still free uh, up to £500,000 of no stamp duty. Uh, if you buy a second home, so holiday home or buy to let, uh, if you're a landlord, 
uh, and you've also got another property in the background, um, there is still statute payable on that 3%, up to the first £500,000, um, and actually jumps up to 8% above 500 up to 925. Um, so, so yeah, it's been it's been a real help, uh, the statute holiday, and I think it really has injected demand into the property market, um, and it has helped, you know, first-time buyers, home movers to to move underneath that £500,000 bracket, of course, um, into new homes without having to pay any Yeah, thank you for explaining that, Miles. Because it really um, is. It, but buying a house and taking out a mortgage is is already quite stressful. The process with a lot without a lot of the things that are talked about that are really confusing. So uh, yeah, very very well done there explaining that. So um, when you're going through the process of buying a house, um, you have to have a survey done. Uh, and obviously, if you've gone out to view a house that's say valued at two hundred thousand pounds, and the survey comes back and says actually it's worth I don't know, £150,000, how does it impact the whole process? And could you actually lose the house if a survey comes back positive or negative? Yeah, uh, this can happen. It does It does happen in sort of when, when market conditions are changing. Um, and it can it can impact the process quite, quite dramatically. I would say, though, it, it is still quite rare um, so these do happen with purchases, but more often than not, you know, the state agent has gone out and valued the property um, uh, of what they feel is appropriate value based on comparisons within the area. They're not a surveyor, to be clear. Um, some do have surveyors in-house, but um, but they're largely valuing the property for sale. Um, and when market conditions are particularly high demand, you might have two or three buyers queuing up and in some cases, the house can go over for asking price. And the seller goes, hey, brilliant, fantastic. Um, I'm selling my house for more than I thought I would. Um, but then, yeah, you get a consumer, have their mortgage valuation, and the surveyor can see that actually, well, this house was valued at 210, and it's now been sold for, for, for 200. It was valued on the market for 200. Is the, the price I've got here, the agreed price of 210, what's happened there? Um, and, and then quite, quite often those surveyors will actually download the property to the original um, asking price. Um, so what that then means is your loan to value um, as a buyer will only be up to the, the property value. So if you've got a 10% deposit and you're buying the property for say, or the valuation is 210, uh, 200, that means you can only get a 180,000 pound mortgage. You're at a 20,000 pound 10% deposit, your 180 mortgage and you're buying at 200 whereas actually you've agreed the price at 210 so what that means is actually you need the 20,000 pound deposit you originally had up to the 200 but you now need the additional 10 so the lender will only lend you 180 as opposed to 90 percent of the 210 which is obviously only a 21,000 pound deposit not the 30. so it can scupper the deal and you know especially if you're a first-time buyer you put all your savings into your deposit, your fees, and actually, you know, more, more than not, people move into a new house with, with very little left in their savings. So uh, having to find another £10,000 is quite difficult. So in that situation, even if it hasn't gone for over asking price, I think that's, that scenario is where it's common. If it hasn't and you have just given asking price of 200 and the value of down values it to 180, and you can only borrow 90% of that 180, um, then, then at that point, you probably should go back to the estate agent and say, hey, look, here is my valuation. 
Um, please, can you provide me with some comparables of how you value the property at 200? And if they can do that pretty easily um, with similar comparables, you can go back to the valuer and appeal that. Um, I've been doing this job for quite a long time, and, and I'll probably say less than nine times out of 10 will that valuation be overturned because you're asking an expert to um, almost correct something that they feel they've done correct in the first instance, which is quite difficult. Um, but the seller might, with that, um, might, might look at uh, reducing the price because clearly the valuation, whoever comes and buys the property next, well, they're going to be in the same situation. Um, so quite often they may well lower the value. Yeah, that makes property. sense. And um, how long, on average, does a, a mortgage process take? So from the moment of me kind of looking around and, and perhaps speaking to somebody like you guys at Trussell to, to actually getting the keys to my house, what's the average time now? Yeah, thanks, Katie. Uh, it, it really can vary, you know, from a no-chain to to a multi-chain um, um, uh, property purchase. So if there's no-chain, you know, you can actually get those through quite quickly, three to four months. Um, for a longer chain, you know, they can, they can take six to nine months, depending on how it's all moving along. Um, the mortgage process, though, to be honest, is probably the shortest part of that journey. Um, once you've made your offer and submitted your mortgage application, um, most lenders will turn out a mortgage offer within a two weeks, and that includes the survey. Um, there are some lenders in some instances where it's a bit more complex, want more underwriting questions, can take up to three, four weeks. Um, and when lenders were really, really creaking in service last year, they actually, we were looking at six to eight weeks in some instances for a mortgage offer. But even then, at the worst case of six to eight weeks, Actually, the longer part of the journey is the conveyancing and all of the inquiries that the solicitor needs to do. That's the bit that takes quite a lot of back and forth. Um, and again, depending on the chain, there could be multiple property transactions where solicitors are doing that. Um, and that's where really then the time frame does, does go out. But I would say if you're looking to buy a property now and getting it within, say, the stamp sheet deadline, I, I, um, I think you're pushing it. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. And um after, you know, your two, three, five years, however long you take your mortgage out for when you originally buy your house, at that point of uh, you know, reevaluating your next mortgage, I guess that is remortgaging, I suppose. Do you how do you go back to a broker? Do you go directly to your existing lender? How does that then work? So uh we have a, a you know, a uh, a recontact strategy um at Trussell. So for you know, rather than say, let's say you did fix in for a two-year period, we actually start, you know, kind of giving you a nudge 12 months out and say, hey, you know, your deal's up for you in 12 months, just, let's just keep in touch. Um, you can actually really start the process about six months out. Um, it's normally six months out because any new remortgage lender um, will offer a remortgage offer for six months, but not all. Some will only offer you a, a, a rate for, say, three months in honour it. Um, and actually, in some instances, if you want to see what your existing lender will offer you as a product transfer or product switch, that normally happens within three to four months. So really, you want to be getting your, your act together within three months of your deal being up for renewal. So if we're uh, in April today and my deal is up for renewal in July, I should end of July, I should probably be starting to think about that now, speaking to my mortgage advisor and saying, hey, my fixed rates up renewal at the end of July, um, what's out there for me? Can I stick with 
the lender I'm with now and just do a switch, that's nice and easy. Brokers can still help with that. Um, uh, we can give you the advice, is it best to stick or twist, as I always used to say to my customers. Um, and if it's good to stick, we'll help you with it and we'll switch it for you so you don't have to worry about it and you at least have that advice from the customer. Because lenders, it is so easy now, you can go onto your app and you can literally switch your mortgage rate super easy, um, which is brilliant for a customer experience. Um, my, my fear with that, as we, as we grow and scale that across all lenders with technology is how, how many of those customers are not going to get an advice at those points? Um, is it worth fixing it again for two? You know, can you reduce your mortgage to them? Actually, your, your income's gone up. Do you want to cut a few years off your mortgage and save some interest? Um, there's those kind of conversations where customers perhaps aren't getting those interventions advice. So I would always say, speak to your, your broker um, and then, you know, they can advise you either way. If it is best to stick, fine, stay. If it's best to move, we'll help you with the application and we'll arrange that as well. Yeah, and I, if I look back a couple of years, how, you know, at the point of remortgaging, if you did nothing because you didn't know what you were doing, you'd end up falling into an SVR, standard variable rate, which at the time, a few years ago, was quite terrifying because you'd end up paying so much more per month towards your capital and interest mortgage, for example. Whereas now, I suppose... It wouldn't matter so much because rates are so low. But equally, like you're saying, you know, you need to make sure you're still affordable for you and that you are getting the best rate based on your own situation. But SVRs aren't quite as scary as they used to be, are they? Yeah, they're not. Uh, I mean, some some lenders are. I mean, and it will definitely say definitely more than not, it'll still be higher than your uh, your your fixed rate period. So if you're paying two percent on a fixed. You know your your standard mail rate is going to be four or five percent, and if you've got a two hundred thousand pound mortgage, well, you're going to be paying two hundred pound more a month. I'm sure you'd rather be spending on other things, especially now the world's starting to open up a bit. Um, so yeah, def- definitely don't don't let that happen um, and start thinking about it early. And if you're dealing with a good broker, you can literally be have your mortgage offer done and dusted with a month's you know uh, notice in advance. All the conveyancing is is breezy. Um, the customers that come to us where it's six weeks before that deal, you know, we will work hard to deliver it for you. But the truth is, that's really tight. You know, we need to get the mortgage offer done. We need to, you know, all the convention bits need to be done to swap it all over. Um, and all of that stuff does take time and things will take a little bit longer than they were before. Um, so, yeah, you know, call out to our, my, my customers would be, let's get it going three months, four months in advance. Yeah, that's good advice, Miles. Well, thank you so much for joining us on LockPod today. It's been really interesting kind of picking your brains on the the very complex process of mortgages. You explained it very well, but thank you very much indeed for joining me. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Katie.